Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's episode, New York Times bestselling author and international speaker Christine Kane unpacks how to stand on unshakable faith even when you can't see what's next. We are about to dive into the Word, so I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. So the very last chapter of the book of Acts. I love this. Now, there's going to be a lot of Bibles, so I want you to to get ready with this. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 28, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness. Turn to your neighbor and say they were really kind. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, I know that I'm speaking in Florida and you guys have a passion for reptiles in this part of the world. But I don't do reptiles. Like, I'm from Australia and everyone freaks out. The first question everyone asks me in America about Australia, they're like, oh my gosh, did you ever get bitten by a poisonous snake? Or did you ever get bitten by a killer spider? And I'm like, I'm alive and I'm here. Like, no, I didn't. And, and, um, but I don't like reptiles. My husband, now he's a bit weird. And so... He does mountain bike riding and we live up near some hills and I won't go just because I cannot stand um, the thought that maybe there will be a snake. Just because I'm Australian does not mean I like reptiles. Just because I'm visiting Florida does not mean I like reptiles. I don't like reptiles. I don't do snakes. I don't do alligators. I don't do crocodiles. I don't do... What are the things that you've got a lot of? Iguanas. What is that? Y'all, I'm like petrified to walk in the streets. I'm like, they're going, do you want to go to the store? I'm like, what if there's an iguana? What if there's an iguana? I don't want an iguana. Okay, so I'm just saying that's got nothing to do with a snake. But anyway, let's go back to Malta and snakes. People read this like it's nothing. And I am like freaking out. So it says, you know, um, and it, it, it says that a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Now they were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time, you got those kind of friends in your life, you know, those people. They're like just waiting. They write something really sweet on your Instagram, but you're like, I know you don't mean that. I know that you wish. They're like, just waiting, just waiting. But when they saw, Scripture says that, um, where am I? But when when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds. I want you to see how fickle human beings are. This is wonderful. Like they're waiting for him to die. Now they changed their minds and said that he was a God. (laughs) There's nothing in between for humanity. You're either the devil or God. Okay, that's awesome. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. 
And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. There's a lot going on here. They also honoured us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put us on, they put on board whatever we needed. And then Paul continues on his way to Rome. So we've got a lot going on here. Paul had always wanted to go to Rome because he knew that Rome was the epicentre of the world, that the gospel would go out to the whole world from Rome. So he'd always wanted to get to Rome, but it just didn't seem to open up for him. But then what happened was he was kept in Caesarea for two years and then he pled his case as a Roman citizen, I need to go to Rome. So basically they put him on a boat and he was in chains and he was a prisoner and he was put on a ship headed to Rome. Sometimes God's going to use things that you don't think He's going to use to get you to a place that you really want to go to. Now, He was in chains. Can you imagine what this would have been like? It just would have been horrific. Look, I don't even do like nice cruises very well. I freak out and I'm not in chains. And I went once because, you know, we've got an office in Greece and I went to go from one Greek island to the other on one of those ferries and there was a little bit of, um, you know, the waves were a little bit wavy because that's what waves are. They're wavy. And so, um, as my husband tells me all the time, he goes, this is what waves do, Christine. They wave. And I'm like, why can't this be perfectly still? Why can't this be like, and I'm freaking out and if you you know you you need to fly with me and come on boats with me and you're like I cannot believe she's a woman of faith I'm like I can take on the devil but I hate turbulence but anyway so I, I don't do that well and here we are and so they put him on this boat and he's chained and it would be horrible and then all of a sudden scripture tells us and we'll, you know I haven't got time to read it now but go home and read chapter 27 and they end up in this storm, a horrendous storm. The Bible calls it a, a northeaster. And you, you really can't get a vibe for what this is like. This is like, anyone ever see the movie Perfect Storm? Probably not because you're all Christians or too young. And so for those of you that have, it's when certain things come together, there's got to be certain conditions. And if it all happens, you're going to get this perfect killer storm. Well, this was a perfect storm. This was a, a massive storm. Man, I get seasick, you know, just looking at the water, let alone being chained. And then what he would have had to have gone through, it was like the people were freaking out as they would have been. Paul had already warned them. He said, this is not going to be a very safe journey. And I don't think we should do this. But they didn't want to listen to Paul. They wanted to push on ahead. And so then the storm comes and they're freaking out. They're thinking that their lives are going to be lost. There's 276 men on this boat. An angel of the Lord appears to Paul and says, it's okay. The, the ship's going to get wrecked and everything's going to go overboard, but you are all going to be okay. All 276 of you. And I mean, it was a horrific storm. They had to cut off certain things. They had to throw things overboard. Everyone was terrified. It was like so, so difficult. This is what's happening all the way through Acts uh, chapter verse 20, uh, chapter 27. Then we get to the end, the very last verse in 27, it makes me laugh. It says, and so it was that all were brought safely to land. They, they hit some rocks. The ship was shipwrecked. And so it was, scripture says, they were all brought safely to land. Just, and so it was. You know, the Bible's very understated. It's like, you know, Mary was 
like pregnant and then it just says, and then she just brought forth a baby. I'm like, it's obvious that Luke wrote that and he's a man. It's just like, it's obvious you've never just brought forth a baby. Go knock yourself out, go to hospital and bring forth a baby. It's just like, like what? And well, the same Luke is writing the book of Acts. And so, you know, two of my favorite books of the Bible. And um, he's the same thing. It's like, and they just were brought forth safely to land. It's like, honey, they just like had this horrific, they should have trauma therapy for the next like 25 years because they were shipwrecked and they were in this massive storm. And you're like, and they were all just brought safely to land. And then as if God doesn't want to reiterate it, in chapter 28, first words, it says, after we were brought safely through. Then we learned the land was called Malta. After we were brought safely through. I mean, they had just gone through this terrible, terrible storm. Everyone thought they were going to die. I mean, this thing was pretty, pretty full on. Then they get shipwrecked, lose everything. And about the most the Bible's got to say is after they were brought safely to land. It's just like you got, anyone ever get safely to land and you just go, I don't quite know how I got here. I have just been through the worst storm of my life. It feels like every force of hell was brought against me. If it wasn't one thing, it was three. It was never nothing. There was always something going on. It was either my marriage or it was my kids or it was the marriage that I wish I had or it was my job or it was my boss or it was my staff. And you seem to get hit on every, every front. One minute, it's sickness. The next minute, it's a relationship. The next minute, it's finances. Anybody but me been through a storm in the last couple of years where you just think, I don't know where this has come. And you get here and you go, hang on a minute though, I'm here. People I loved, I lost. My mum passed away. My sister-in-law passed away. My brother-in-law passed away. My other sister-in-law passed away on Nick's side. We just had death, 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 death wherever we went. I faced a, a deep, deep personal betrayal that I just did not think I was going to be able to get past. I, I, I faced slander and accusation and attack. And it was just like, I'm like, this is like, are you kidding me? Anyone ever been in a storm where you feel like this thing's going to take you out? I, I, I don't even know how I'm going to survive. And, and Paul says, after that, we were just brought safely through. I want to remind someone today, God brought you safely through. I know you thought it was going to kill you. I know you thought it was going to take you out. I'm not denying the magnitude of the storm, but I'm saying your God is greater than any storm that you were through because having done all else, you are still here. You are still standing. You still survived. He brought you safely through. And you're spending all your time thinking about the storm and God's saying, would you, would you notice that I brought you safely through? I didn't say you wouldn't be seasick. Some of you vomited your way through. Some of you just like said a lot of things that you wish you hadn't said, but, but you're still through. I want to remind you, you're through. You're not in the storm anymore. And there comes a point where you've got to recognize I'm now on land. I'm, I'm no longer in that storm. God has brought me safely through. I'm going to stop talking about how turbulent the storm was, how terrible the storm was, how seasick I felt within the storm, how many times I threw up within the storm, all the things I vowed I would never do or do again in the storm. That time is finished. God has brought me safely through. I thought it was going to kill me, but I'm still here. I thought it was going to take me out, but I'm still alive. I'm still standing. God has brought you safely through safely through and he brought him to Malta I mean Paul's on his way to Rome let me just tell you when you're going to Rome 
You don't go to Rome via Malta. You only get to Malta when you've been in a storm on your way to Rome. Now, I don't know how much you know about geography. Nick and I have been to Malta, and um, I've got a lot of Maltese friends. And the word Malta here, we had to make that big because you would have missed Malta. <laughs> it's so tiny. And I've been there. I've been to the Bay of Paul, and there's all these shrines built to Paul. It's, it's amazing. It's only 17 miles in length, nine miles in width, and it's about 60 miles south of Sicily. So if you could get your world map worked out, that's where Paul ended up. Can you imagine what it would have been like? And Scripture tells us they got there and it was so cold because you've got all the aftermath of the storm. So it's so cold and there's 276 men, plus all the Maltese. But I think, you know, I'm surprised that they didn't sink the island because that's like a lot of extra weight, you know. I mean, sure, that's probably more people... But could you imagine what it would have been like for the people to sort of see these 276 people? Because the scripture tells us not one of them was lost. Not one of them was lost. They turn up on the island and the Bible says that they were met by native. Now, I need you to understand what that word means here. And that means anyone that wasn't Greek or Roman. And so in these days, obviously, the Greek and the Roman language, so if you didn't speak Roman or Greek, all the other languages were like native. They had their own native language a language that was very distinct to them. It was neither Greek nor Roman. And it says that they were very unusually kind. Man, that's what you want when you've been through a storm. You want people to be unusually kind to you. Perhaps that would be good for us to be to other people because you never know what storm somebody's going through. I know we live in a generation that we think that, you know, if it's not on Instagram, it didn't happen, but you would be surprised how many people are going through storms that you know nothing about. They're in deep pain. It, it, it would serve you well to be unusually kind to people, to give people some grace because you don't know. Sometimes, yes, they're harsh. Sometimes, yes, they say things that shouldn't be said or they do things that shouldn't be done, but none of us really know what anybody else is going through. So it's very important that you and I wake up with a disposition that says, God, I wanna be unusually kind to people. I wonder who you could be unusually kind to. I wonder who you can say something that's unusually kind to them, do something for them that is unusually kind. I think one of the greatest things in our generation, our, our world is really mean, really mean. I mean, the fact is you can't say anything out there with 100 people coming at you. It is just unbelievable the, the divisive and the mean and angry world in which we live. You would be such a light for Christ with just some kindness. But kindness shocks people. It shocks people. It really does. You know, I spend so much of my time, I travel and I'm out just taking the time to thank someone, to look someone in the eye, to acknowledge someone. I, I know this sounds basic, but I'm utterly convinced that in these last days in which we live, that if we, the people of God, exhibit the fruits of the Spirit a whole lot more, a whole lot more people would come into the kingdom of God. That a lot of us, we don't need to give someone a, a, a Romans road little tract. We don't need to say, here's four spiritual laws, two ways to live. We just have to be nice to people. It will be amazing. You will open up more conversations for the gospel if you exhibit love and kindness and patience and peace and joy and self-control and goodness. But you've got to be filled with the Spirit to 
produce the fruit of the Spirit. And there's no point having the power of the Spirit if you've got no fruit of the Spirit. Kindness would go a long way for us to see change and transformation in the world in which we live. The Scripture says they were unusually, unusually kind. I want to be unusually kind. I want to walk around with an air of unusual kindness. And so, Paul, what did Paul do? This is what I think is hilarious. Paul could have complained, like, seriously, God? I'm on my way to Rome to do your work. I want to proclaim your gospel. I was such a good witness on the boat and you sent a storm. I know none of you speak to God like this at all. Like, God, I was about your work. I was doing what you wanted me to do. I didn't ask for a storm. I said, just take me to Rome. I want to talk to Caesar. I want to proclaim the gospel. I want to get your word to go out. And I did not ask for a storm. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. You get off that storm as if that's not enough. He goes from a storm, then we're shipwrecked. Not only that, God, you did not even save the ship. I like had to swim the last little bit to land. And the ship's been wrecked. So not only did I have to endure a storm, I've now endured a shipwreck. And he could have just sat on the sand there in Malta and he could have pouted in the cold. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go eat worms. I'm such a victim for the gospel. It's just not my fault, man. You try to serve God and look what happens. You end up in Malta. (laughs) Just try to be faithful to the Lord and you have to go through storms and it's not. He could have murmured, grumbled and complained. I mean, after all, that's what the children of Israel did. How'd that work for them? Just murmur, grumble, but no, what did he do? Scripture says that they were unusually kind and they began to build a fire. Now, do you know, if you're 276 men in really, really, really wet clothes and it's dark, it had been dark. Read the text in Acts 27. It was like nightfall. The storm was so great. It had been so dark. And now here they are and it's freezing cold and instead of murmuring, grumbling and complaining, Paul gets about serving. He gets about helping them and building, because you've got to build a big fire to warm 276 people. It's not easy. We're not talking about just a little couple of matches here. We're talking about this thing's got to be like a bonfire, I'm imagining. It's got to be huge. So Paul goes about and starts collecting sticks. Sometimes when you come out of a storm or you've been in a shipwreck, and all you want to do is nurse your wounds. God says, you know what? You're going to get over this if you start serving somebody else. If you start picking up some sticks and you start getting involved in wanting to do something. It is astounding to me that Paul the Apostle began to serve. He comes out of a storm. He comes out of a shipwreck and he starts serving. And then what is interesting to me is they start this fire and he would have had a handful of sticks and not knowing that there was a a snake in those sticks. And as he put it on the fire, it woke the snake up, I'm sure. And it just freaked him out. And he jumped out and it always freaks me out. And there'd be something like this, I would imagine he just jumped out and just attached himself. 
The viper attached himself. I know you all love this right now. This is it. Just attached himself. Can you imagine what that would be like? And the Bible says that it, it just bit him. Now, as if you don't think, not only have you been in a storm, not only have you been in a shipwreck, then you start serving, and the thanks you get for serving is a snake. That's the thanks that you get. You ever had one of those kind of days where you go, seriously, God, are you serious? I've not just got a storm. I haven't just got a shipwreck. I've gone about serving, trying to keep my attitude right. And then in the midst of serving, a viper comes out and bites me. <laughs> you got to laugh because it sounds so ridiculous. But for so many of us, this has been the last few years of our life. And then just when you think it's just one, you go, you know what? It's not just one. You know, if it's not this viper comes out of betrayal or anger, some other dude's going to come and bite you. And then some other dude is going to come and bite you. Oh, this is not attractive right here. Okay. And because they gave me another one, I'm going to put this on too, because it's like, why not? And some of us, this is what we're walking around with right now. Some snake, the snake of bitterness in the last few years. The snake of offense, the snake of anger, the snake of division. It is amazing to me the amount of people that are walking around in the body and if we could see in the spirit, the amount of offense that believers are carrying around is startling to me. The bitterness, the unforgiveness, the anger, it is incredible to me and we're wondering why we're not getting much done. And we're not dealing with the snake because we're still complaining about the storm. And we're not dealing with the snakes because we're still complaining about the shipwrecks. And we're so busy blaming God for the storm and the shipwreck that we're allowing the snakes to just take hold and we're walking around and we're being so ineffective because we're walking around with a whole, we're not dealing with the bitterness, with the anger, with the offense, with the division, with the guile, with the lust, with the greed, with the envy. We're just allowing that thing to hang on to us. But scripture didn't say that Paul allowed these things to stay on him. When the snake came, the Bible says he shook it off. That's what he did. He shook that stuff off. He said, that venom is not getting on the inside of me. That venom is no, has got no power to take me out. And we've seen in the body of Christ a whole lot of people being taken out by anger, by confusion, by division, by offense, by a whole lot of divisiveness, by unforgiveness, by bitterness, by not coming to the foot of the cross and allowing God to cleanse them and to break them new and to deal with all the brokenness and the pain and we're walking around and we're allowing the venom of the viper to take us out instead of shaking it off and walking free in all that Christ has called us to be and all that Christ has called us to do. It's time for some woman in Fort Lauderdale to shake it off, shake off the bitterness, shake off the offense, shake off the anger, shake off the depression, shake off the anxiety, shake it off, shake it off. Because this venom will take you out if you don't learn to shake it off. And I'm about done with the number of years that we've had now, particularly the last three years, 
where we're excusing sin and iniquity, attitudes of the heart, because we're walking around like victims and it's not my fault and look what they did and look what happened. It is time to shake it off and know that we serve a resurrected King who shed His blood for us to set us free. Shake it off. Shake it off. Paul says, he shook it off. He didn't sit around and have a big dialogue with God. I can't believe it. Not only did you send me into a storm, and then you sent me to a shipwreck, and now I've got a snake. <laughs> We've got a whole bunch of Christians sitting and lamenting the snakes, not talking about the freedom that's ours in Christ, but talking about the snake and resenting the God that allowed the snake to bite them when they were serving this God. Saying, really, God? Of course you're not true. Really? If you were real, would I have gone through that storm? If you were real and you were really good, good, you are good, that's what we sing. As if you were to let me get shipwrecked. Not only that, if you were a good, good father, yes, it's who you are, it's who you are. Would there be a snake hanging off my hand right now? Well, surely you're not good. And if you're not good, I wonder if you're really real. Surely, surely, I really wonder, wonder if the Bible's really real. Wonder if any of this stuff's really real. Because we're allowing a snake that has no power over us to sink his teeth into us and poison us with his venom. Scripture says, be very careful about a root of bitterness defiling many. You read social media lately? Do you know how many people are tweeting out of a root of bitterness that is defiling multitudes in the body? Defiling multitudes? It's not tweeting out of a root of wisdom or love or grace for that matter. But it's tweeting out of a root of bitterness. And I'm watching the venom spread through the body. Because your bitterness doesn't just defile you. Scripture says it defiles many. And I'm about done. I've been really quiet for a little while, just watching this thing, and I'm about done. And I want to declare and decree that it is time to shake it off. It is time to deal with some of this stuff and shake it off and understand that God is who He says He is. What Paul did is... So many of us, we ask the question, you know, God, how can I be attacked when I'm doing something wrong? Honey, the fire came. It was the fire that woke up the snake. And sometimes when you get more on fire for God and when you're getting closer to the purpose of God and you're becoming more effective in the things of God, don't be surprised when some snakes come out and try to attach themselves to you. But I want you to know their venom cannot touch you if you learn to shake it off in Jesus' name. It does not have to attach itself to you. You can shake it off. Rather than lamenting, I can't believe this mustn't be true because if God was real, this snake wouldn't be on me. I dare I say the viper woke up because the fire inside of you got hotter. We need some maturity in the body where we don't run from adversity, 
first snake bite. Like, are you kidding me? This is a sign that we're on fire, that we're doing something effective for the kingdom of God. We're so busy telling everyone how to live their best life now, we're forgetting to tell them how to fight for the sake of taking the cause of the kingdom forward. This is not all unicorns and rainbows, honey. We are in a spiritual battle. We're in spiritual battle. And what we need to do is wake up from our slumber, wake up from our sleepwalking, and not be surprised by these things that are attaching themselves to us. Listen, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13. I want you to know trials and testing, storms, shipwrecks, snakes are a part of life. 1 Peter says, beloved, do not be surprised. I laugh because I'm always surprised, but anyway, I know, I try. I, do. I said this to God recently, something happened. I went, you tell me not to be surprised, I'm always surprised, so it's not fair, can't you warn me? Okay, so beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you, not if it comes, when, when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. This is for glory. Why are we freaking out as if it's some strange thing? I don't know whoever sold you a Christianity that said it was all gonna be unicorns and rainbows and it was all gonna be fantastic and beautiful and just every day was gonna be fantastic. We live in a fallen world. There is brokenness, there is pain, there is suffering, there is sickness, there is disease. We don't need to be overwhelmed by these things because in and through Christ, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us, but that does not mean we float through life. So we've got to get good at fighting through life. But we've lost our fight. We've lost our fight. We've forgotten that this is a spiritual battle. This is not it, like it's all about my comfort. Jesus just wants me to be comfortable and Jesus just wants me to be safe. I mean, gag me with a spoon. Where is that in the Bible? (laughs) Jesus did not come to make you nice or safe or comfortable. I promise you. He did not come from heaven to earth, die on a cross, such a brutal death and rise again on the third day so I could be comfortable. I mean, are you kidding me? He came to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness that we would establish the kingdom of light. That's what He came to do. So do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you. I've had to remind myself of these scriptures over the last couple of years because it just seems like whichever way I turned, There was a fiery trial. I needed a lot of refining. I want you to know, a lot of refining. John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Doesn't that make you happy? I'm like, Jesus said it. It's in red in the Bible. So, you know, he always talked in red. So it just, that's it. And I love what he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I'm like, Jesus, seriously? That's why you're God and I'm not. But anyway, tribulation will come, not might. So when the snake bites, jumps up to bite you, I've shaken them off so well I can't find them anymore. (laughs) 
So all the team's going to be freaking out. But when the snake comes up to bite you, don't be surprised. I, I, I don't know why we, we freak out like it's some strange thing. There is nothing strange about the way I'm standing before you right now. There's nothing strange. But this is what happens when the devil tries to sabotage your commitment to God, your faithfulness to God, your commitment to church. Don't be surprised. When he tries to take you out with disappointment and disillusionment, don't be surprised. When he tries to mess with your head and your intellect and tell you you're really dumb that you believe this stuff about God, you believe this stuff about the Bible, you believe that Jesus really rose again, like really? This is all part of what's talked about in the Bible. Don't be surprised when there's persecutions. Don't be surprised when people think you're an idiot because Christianity is not vogue. Don't, don't be surprised just because you lived in a nation where once it was cool to be a Christian, now it's not cool to be a Christian. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that your, that your faith will be tested. Don't be surprised when that venom tries to take you out. It, it actually has no power. But you've got to remember your power to shake it off. Because if you forget the power that you have in Christ to shake it off, you're just going to keep accruing more and more snakes. And that venom will take you out. Bitterness will take you out. Trying to rationalise things you will never understand. There comes a point where you will not understand what God is doing and you're going to have to learn to trust Him. Because listen, Isaiah 55 says, His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. You cannot possibly understand God. He is infinite. We are finite. I don't know whatever made us think that we could shove Him in a test tube and prove Him or put Him in some mathematical formula and make Him fit into our little world. We've got a peon little finite brain. He is an infinite, almighty God, entirely other to us. You cannot understand Him. You must trust Him. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.